Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Rich. Blimey. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of keeping a stiff upper lip and keeping those slimy wonkers from getting away with thinking that they're the up and coming ones. Right there, lad. Right. <laughs> Dead chuff to do this one tonight, folks. Yes, we're all going to do our horrible, horribly bad Britishing accents tonight. You know that. Not through the entire thing. No, just no, no, no. <laughs> this week we are talking about the Victorians. Now, you have been following our podcast for two hundred and eighty some episodes. You know that the Victorians are part of the Fringeworthy game, and they are probably the the strongest ally. I debt thinks it has. And but the thing is, the secret dirty truth is, is that they're just putting up with us because they know that they were here first and they're going to be here last, and they're better than us. Oh, quite right, yeah, lad. And you know, it's also, don't forget, you also have bars with the Martians up there. And I have left that kind of open and undefined because I think, you know, I'm going to let the GMs decide what their Mars is like. Is it Wellesian Martian? Is it Gilvarian Martians? Is it, uh, I, I forget how many different Martians there are on Mars. Uh, yeah, it could even be Burrow Martians, for all, uh, all I know, you know, as well as the, uh, the other tripod things. It could be Wellesian Martians, heaven help you. Or it could be all of them. You know, no, I'm talking. No, I'm sorry. That's Bureau Thirteen Mars. Forget yeah. that. That's Bureau Thirteen. Well, Bureau Thirteen Mars has about four different ones. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Okay. So it does include the Gilvarian Martians. Um, that I don't think so, but it does include the uh, the Ray Walston Martians. You know, I I've uh, recently in my uh, uh, Fringeworthy campaign, they decide, They said, you know, we never go to any of the uh, Commonwealth worlds. Why don't we have our next adventure on a Commonwealth world? So I said, okay, fine. And they go back to Hatsubi Base, IDET, and they get met there by Terrence Greystone and uh, by uh, Colonel Shea Talbot, who proceed to tell them that uh, Victorian, uh, uh, the Victorians are under assault by Mars. Oh, and that the uh, the cylinders are are landing as they speak. That's entirely possible. <laughs> so that's their mission is to basically help the uh, Victorian, um, or I should say, Taos take back their uh, 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 
er, their earth uh, for uh, from the Martians. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Martians. I'm, if I were to run if I, now, if I was to run run the Victorian Mars, uh, one of the things you would run into the Mar- in this case, the Martians' role would be trilateral in symmetry. That is, instead of, we're bilateral in symmetry. The Martians are trilateral in sy- symmetry, so they actually have three sides instead of just two sides. And they have they have three upper limbs and three lower limbs, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but they only have one mouth, top of the head. Food goes in. Food comes out the bottom. Yeah. Well, why, why does it have to come in the top? That's where the mouth is. I mean, I'm saying, did you just like arbitrarily put it there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. All right. I just thought maybe you had a reference for that that you were going by. Oh, uh, hydra, uh, the, the, the uh, hydras. Uh, no, no, not talking the, 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 the mythical hydras, but I'm talking about the uh, actual animals on, our, on, on Earth. They basically are, they have, I think, call the flow through system where it comes in one end and comes out the other end. And basically, the, Mar- the Martians are built around uh, central, basically, everything's centralized. They have a ring brain. So the brain's a ring around the center. And the food goes through the, mi- through the middle of that. And they have a really weird spine. Actually, spines, because where the three sides meet is a spine. So they don't bend as well as we do, but they do, they can bend. <laughs> uh, but one thing you'll find, you will see in every, in every Martian uh, square, uh, if you go to a Martian city, is a statue of a Martian looking upwards, at least with two eyes, shaking all his fists upwards for some reason. Okay. What's on the other worlds in this place? Because remember, this is, this is the Victorian world. So this also means we have I think called the thir- you know, the twenties and thirties pulp era science fiction as well. What's on the other worlds? I mean, you know, in in the old thirties pulp uh, science fiction, you know, Ganymede had a breathable atmosphere. Okay, well, why don't you tell us on the Victorian Earth uh, which planets have breathable atmospheres? Um, just about every one of them, including Uranus and and Pluto. No, the moons do. The moons actually have the atmosphere. But yeah, Pluto, well, Pluto's really cold, but yeah, it has a really, really, really thin atmosphere. So it's like being on top of Mount Everest and very cold. How about the moon? Uh, the moon's like a Wellesian moon. So that is, it, it, has an, it has a very thin atmosphere, but you have to go underground to get the thick stuff. Then you got to deal with the selenites. Yes, <laughs> you got to deal with the selenites. And if you want to make them just like they were in the movie, go right ahead. <laughs> in the first man on the moon. Uh, so, yes, uh, the, yeah, the, you have selenites living on Mar- on the moon. Uh, just don't go with a cold. <laughs> Which is the weapon, uh, weapon of choice, yeah. How do you fight Martians? You sneeze on them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Unless, of course, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work, yeah. Uh they do know about radiation. They use a lot of radium-powered devices. What, Martians do? No, well, yes, Martians do, and so do, and so do Victorians. So, yes, so radiation does exist, but it, again, behaves differently than it does here. So you got a lot of radium-powered devices. Uh, Madame Curie is, is a major figure. Uh, actually, that, I, I actually take this, there was a story idea, a venture idea I came up with, which is, it was actually based on a, uh, someone steampunk uh, rendering of a double 
uh, double train, base double double ed steam engine, two of them together, welded together with treads instead of wheels, and a snowplow in front. And I said, "Oh, expedition to the to the North Pole with a radium powered steam tra- with radium powered steam train." Hmm. You know, it's not it's not dangerous at all. Radium in small amounts is actually helpful for you, and in this in this world, it is. It's a, you know too much radium, however, will scar you. So you got you got all things in moderation. Okay, so you're saying that on the Victorian world, you can take a, quite a bit more radiation damage without it actually harming you. That's correct. In low levels, it's actually beneficial. Okay. You know, so. does it does it cause uh, mutations? No, I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm talking about in the Victorian world, <laughs> Richard. Mutations don't really exist here. I mean, if you want freaky stuff, you got to, you you have to go to a certain island run by a certain Doctor Moreau. Yeah, but but he kind of like just you know he just kind of cut things together, spliced them together. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so there's there's no like you know weird. Um, I'm thinking about some of the early horror stories where, you know, they would come up with strange fluids distilled from plants or whatever and caused, you know, massive changes to people. Oh, yes. That is that is another that is another thing. Yes, you would have a doctor a doctor Hyde could exist here. Doctor Jekyll Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde would exist here. So yes, the Hyde formula would Depending on how you want to run it, either do transform you like in the like in the uh, most of the movies, which is you know make you furry and you know big teeth, or like the Jekyll, the actual novel where you actually change, but you don't become furry with big teeth. You become more amoral. Well, he actually was a very massive person. He was much more physically impressive than than uh, Jekyll was. So there was some amount of, you know, it, it wasn't just him just being more aggressive or, you know, more, um, uh, you know, just more having more presence. He actually physically, they, they said that he looked like his kind of like a distant brother or a, a, a relative. There was a cast of the face that you could see that they, but uh, and I, I think I'm forgetting this. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm taking it back. I don't think they, anybody thought that Hyde actually looked like Jekyll, but and they were, everyone was always wondering what does Hyde have over Jekyll that Jekyll's letting him live on his, in his property. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. It also means something out there is a serum when you inject it into yourself, turns you invisible. Now remember, it's a process. There's a it's a process though. It's a process. It's just not one shot. It's actually multiple shots and some and some bathing and radiations to get the work. But you could, yeah. But you can make yourself entirely invisible except for your retinas. In fact, if you read the novel, he leaves his retinas alone so he can see. Because if you make your retinas invisible, you won't be able to see. So theoretically, you can spot the invisible man. You just look for the lens and retinas, and you'll spot him. Now, it means I, I, there's no way you can sleep at night. You have to go into a perfectly dark room because otherwise he, light comes from every way. But, you know, we, you can hand wave that away and say, uh, it only goes to the lens and it goes to his, his retinas and don't worry about it. You know, and, you know. 
Or, or you could say he learns to meditate and do what some of the swamis do where they do that, where they basically sleep with their eyes open. Yeah, because basically what he, in the story, he makes himself to have the same refractive in, index as atmosphere. So he becomes invisible. But you know, unlike other, other retellings, he's, you know, some radiation, whatever. He's basically he's completely turned himself invisible. Of course, I always say that story was a was a pun by Wells. You know the old saying, "Out of sight, out of mind." Uh. <laughs> he went insane. Basically, the pro- he basically the process was. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, that took, that took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, all right. yes. You will go, in, you know. Eventually, you will go insane. Right. the The other way of handling the whole invisibility thing is to say, yes, um, the retinas become, you know, you uh, become invisible as well. But the formula also changes the the rods and cones that they can pick up uh, near infrared. So you can still see something, but you can't. It's not normal light that you'd be seeing anymore. And you'll want to live in the tropics because it only works when you're complete. It only works when you're completely naked. So yeah, it, it works all the time. But just like everything else, it doesn't. There's no point to it unless you're completely naked. Now I can't see one point to it. If you were an elegant young, uh, an elegant woman who was aging and wanted her beauty to last forever, then she could make herself invisible so that everyone would have to remember her the way she used to look because nobody can see her now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thankfully they won't be able to see her. Yes, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yes, invisibility is a possibility. And of course, uh, reading through the, if you think about this, probably other ways of making people invisible. Maybe you can make yourself invisible without actually taking your clothes off. So there may be other means of creating invisibility. There's one way of doing it, John. What's that? You use power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see you. <laughs> That's right. Telepathy works in this world. In fact, that's what they found out during. Basically, there were negotiations with the Victorians over over how they're going to how the two different uh, uh, fringe worlds are going to work with each other. And they brought along Waylay, you know, so she could sit there and and you know check the empathy and do some mind reading. She found she found out they had their own on their on their side too as well. Well, remember, okay, you know, we are referring to uh, the shadow. Now, the shadow was an American, but he was trained by a Tibetan monk. There's nothing to say that that Tibetan monk couldn't have had his own adventures in his younger days. So at the 1900s, where this is set, the 1890s, depending upon when in your campaign world you decide to put your your adventures, uh, there's no reason why that that particular monk wouldn't be out and around and, and adventuring himself. It, there's nothing to say that he spent his entire life secreted away at that Tibetan temple that nobody would see. That's true. I mean, that nobody would find, and he would never go out anywhere and explore the world. So uh, I, because especially because you know everybody, if you go by the movie version, uh, everybody has to. Uh, 
basically control, master the own darkness inside of himself. Because otherwise, that's what allows him to project it out and to, and to cloud men's minds. So every master of you know, previous shadow would have to have had a life that would, wouldn't be a sheltered life. It wouldn't be a life where he only did good things and somehow did this, you know, this mastering. So I'm, I'm just saying is that I think that, uh, but the, the master you'd run into would be probably, you know, uh, Tibetan. Yeah, and, and besides those Tibetan monks, there's another place that exists. Good luck finding it. Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Shangri-La exists here. Like I said, good luck finding it. They've got well hidden. And even when you put up the satellites, you're not going to find it. Well, what about fairy tales, folklore, John? I mean, are any of those things still are on this world as real things? Hmm. That one I haven't. That falls into the supernatural, and this is, and this is, Victorian Earth is less supernatural and more, more, more science and super science and more uh, lost wonders. But that does mean is there is there a, is there a lost uh, Roman Roman legion you know, Roman city in the middle of Africa? Probably. Uh, is there a place run by a woman who claims to be thousands of years old? Maybe, you know. Uh, <laughs> is there uh, a um, a fountain of youth? Well, you gotta ask her, or should I say, you should ask she. Well, I'm I'm talking about the one that's in Florida. Uh, nah, because I think I, that one falls back into. I, I, I'm looking at the fiction that falls from uh, the 1840s to the eight to 1910s, so it falls before that. So no. Does El Dorado exist? We think it actually was a mistranslation of, of what the guy saw. But you know, there may be an okay, I would say yes, there may be an El Dorado. Where it is, you know, it could be could be in Latin America, could be in it could be in Southern America Southern United States or Southern wherever, in this case northern northern Mexico, or it could be in the middle of the Amazon. You know? It well like Cibola, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't it also be up on in the um, you know Bahamian Islands and, and the, that sort of thing? That's their potential place. It could also be an abandoned city, too. It may be long dead. I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest. Uh, Atlantis. Uh, no, Atlant- there's no Atlantis. There's a, there is a place called Atlanta, but I don't think you want that under the waves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, no Atlantis, no Mew. So those two are out. No Lemuria. Yeah, there's no. I picked that time period because it eliminates a lot of Gulliver stories. So there's there's no out there. There, you know, there's no Brodabigians, uh No. Li- well, I was about to ask. Um, I mean, okay, since this is a more a scientific thing or whatever in the story in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath was like nine, ten foot tall. So, and he had brothers. So my uh, my question is: Are there any um, areas in the world where there's races of giants? Hmm. 
It probably, there may be. I mean, you know, I, I imagine there's places where people have grown, they grown big, but they're very, but they're probably few in number because they probably have a long, you know, they're, they're not as fertile as regular people, but they, they exist. So I'd probably say, yeah, but, you know, they may not be eight, nine, ten foot tall, they may be seven, eight foot tall. They're still tall. I mean, you know, there's Zulu that tall. All right. Oh, and so in the pulpish heroes, like, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the the guy who's the the Black Panther out of Africa. Um, do, uh, do do you still have you know like uh, superhero pulpish superheroish type figures that champion their countries and um, or at least you know s- certain causes? Well, there's one which uh, in California, which unfortunately because it's still in copyright and the family would sue, he goes by the name of the Fox. Which is, of course, Zorro. Ah. Actually, it's not. It's not Zorro, but it's actually his grand no great grandson. Um, it's the family trait. It's you know the 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 uh, it's the family family badge of honor that they are uh, that they help defend the California from from the evils of other people. You know, so yes, they are the champions of California. <laughs> They led the revolution. His zero led the revolution to separate from from Mexico. So, but I mean, the fox led the revolution. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's people like that. So yes, yeah, so, you know, people who put on black, put on black gear, black hat. You know, they look fabulous, and they go out and fight people with swords and pistols and other things. Think of them like like the the, the Spanish Batman. It's the best way to describe Zorro. He's a Spanish Batman. At least in this case, a Californian Batman. Um, so is there is there the Phantom? Because he's in Africa, and his, according to his story, he's a long. He's one of a long line of defenders of Africa. And does Alan Quartermain know him? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there is there is there a lost Roman temple guarded by uh, by by uh, um, guardian apes? Well, you've got all those stories, you know, and, and wait a second, you said that um, that there was a Perlandra, right? A world in the center of the earth? Oh, oh not this one. Hallucinar. But that's 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 You're right. I'm sorry, Richard, you're correct. Perlandra is is, is Mars. I mean, I'm sorry, Venus. Uh yeah, and Pelucidar. Yeah, Pelucidar is not not here. No, this this is a this is a solid planet. Uh, no, Pelucidar is over on Bira 13 Earth. Well, it could be just, um, you know, someplace where there was a deep depression rather than the, the plateau where in the Lost World it could be a deep depression in the in the Earth where, um, you know, you know, dinosaurs and other things lived. And, you know, it could even be in the Arctic or in the Antarctic where it, it, the depression was so deep in the planet that it was hot. And therefore, very, uh, you know, uh, very jungly. Oh, you mean uh, yes? Uh, the time, the land of time forgot. Would that exist? It might. It may. It may exist in Antarctica. You know, there may be a this hidden valley that's basically surrounded by icebergs, and it's you know, it's. But I wouldn't give it all the strange weirdness they have in the in the novels. Uh, in this case, it's basically it's the land of time forgot, but it's inhabited by cavemen and dinosaurs that living together in. Anachronistic bliss, yeah. 
Now, arachn- uh, arachnistic would be very interesting, too. Uh, oh, and, and that's something we haven't talked about. Okay, so they joined up with the, um, uh, you know, what we, we, we refer to as the uh, alien core, which, of course, they find insulting. Uh, so my question is, is that what's their, uh, how many of the other members of the Commonwealth um, come visit? Other than IDET. Other than, you know, Earth people. Uh, I should say uh, Earth Prime people. They call their place Earth Prime as well. Paul Newton play, was playing Carstairs, a Victorian character. Um, he, the first thing was, why are you calling us Victorian? Do we call you Butrus Butrus Gallies? <sighs> um, so the, the official name is Britannia Earth. And the official name for Earth for Earth Prime is United Nations Earth. Okay, but they both called but they both called their own their own worlds Earth Prime. The other oh, difference yeah. is that is their maps. Our ma- our maps start from the go from the bottom up. Theirs go from the top down. Their plus two would be our minus two, <laughs> and it gets confusing after that. No one who runs a campaign is ever going to do that. But okay, yeah, but it's, the, it's there. It's a possible. It's a possible plot point because they're basically they're Victorian. They're not going to change their maps just because we do ours the wrong way. It's there to confuse the players as a as a as a plot point, where they tell somebody to go somewhere and they arrive at a completely wrong node because they didn't understand how they were laying it out. Oh yeah, it's a, it, it's. Oh, yeah. You ran into those situations. Um, but yeah, terminology, there's a difference. Um, and as you said, initially it's going to be the Teus and so everything, everything here is a very, very big government secret that unfortunately is getting harder and harder to keep secret as more and more people are inducted into County Greystone into the basically Teus little army down there now. And all the supplies and anyone, any spy who keeps track of things notices that there's this big supply line going south to this little county in the Congolese Protectorate. Right. See, this is why I was surprised that you decided to do this, John, because it seemed to me that using, you know, I mean, yes, you know, you, you want to use the, the one in Mozambique. But if you also used the undersea base as essentially their equivalent of Hatsumi base, as a research base and in a staging base and all that stuff. Oh, they will. Well, I mean, the point is, is that they could re-equip it there, you know, from the fringe pass, just like Hatsumi base can be equipped from the fringe pass and supplied from the fringe pass. And they don't have to have a big conga line going down to Mozambique. <laughs> well, initially, that's the only one they have open right now. So I mean, but, but they get there too. Basically, they're building they're building a large pavilion base out in the middle of the Victorian desert, but in uh, the Vic, Vic, uh, Victoria deserts in Australia. But it's a desert in the middle of Australia, so water there is a pre is a premium. In fact, the only way to, to, to get water all the time is through the portal. You know, it is much easier to haul it haul it the uh, two hundred feet, no, three hundred feet, whatever it is from Congo to Australia than it is to take it any, any other way. So yeah, a lot of the water is going to be hauled, hauled, hauled overland, so to speak, 
uh, over platform to keep that place going. Uh, what is what is to the what is past Victorian? Nothing. Everything's. A, I'm looking to the looking to everything. All, all everyone's negative. So everyone else is negative. There you go. The business. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, I'm looking at everyone's negative, negative, negative. They're plus two. The only one is farther out. It's the Blizzness. They're at plus five. So, yeah, the Blizzness come for a visit. How about the uh, the Mixie? They're at plus four. Oh, yes. As soon as, as, soon as a Large Elephant and Large Spider show up, the secret's out <laughs> at that point. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, I, I don't know. You're, you, this is the jungle for crying out loud. I mean, it's a big, scary place. And you could say that, oh, yes, we found this race of spider people in the jungle. Yes, and everyone would believe it because they've all heard the stories of the strange and crazy creatures in the middle of the the, the deepest Congo. I mean, after all, they, they're, they buy the whole story about his father being raised by white apes. Why would they have a problem with that? <laughs> And the and the blizzards look an awful lot like elephants. They just have two, you know, they're, they're they have just have two um, uh, 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 trunks. Yeah, and to be honest, there is the um, uh, I mispronounce it horribly. Mbengo, Mbengemba. Basically, the 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 dwarf sauropods that live in the Congo. You know, in fact, he has a he has a pod. He has like three pods of them in County Greystone. These they're, they're basically they're only. What ten foot tall and about thirty feet long? They're basically dinosaurs. Good, you know, sauropod dinosaurs that live in the Congo. You know, and yeah, you're right. The Nixie coming out and talking to people would not be the strangest thing they've seen coming out of the Congo. <laughs> but I, I mean, if they started appearing in mass, which of course is impossible since there's not going to be that many fringe warriors to begin with. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Except the, except the blizzards, well, the blizzards don't travel that much. So, but yes, they are a stopping point to get to the Demixie and the blizzards. So, yeah, there's there's one reason right there. Well, the blizzards are less likely to travel. Well, they're both hard to travel because they're both uh, operate and in large colonies. So, you know, the you know, you've got the blizzards with their telepathy, but they're a herd, and then you've got you know the uh, Demixie and they're a hive. So, yeah, it's you know finding. Fr- um, you know, fringe-worthy explorer types are, are pretty, you know, pretty rare because they kind of have to be a little bit antisocial or um, very um, uh, a missionary, if I may use that term. Yeah, I mean, there is that. There's, there's an implication because of this, because this is because the Victorian Prime note is a story verse, and you get stuck hitting the alternate. That kind of means that folks from Earth from our from Earth Prime will go. We'll 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 see what you guys find on the other side and report back. So it may be actually the Victorians who encountered the Mixie. It's the Victorians who encountered the Blizzards first, and that will color their impressions of well, of Idet and you and Unita when they first, when they finally do get to meet them. So they may actually have a much more Victorian outlook what's going on than they would uh, you know from their stories than they would have actually from, uh, from meeting us first. The Victorians are not going to stop going and saying teams out, you know, just because they've met us. They're going to, you know, unless we make agreements to, for liaisons and having at least one IDET member on every taste, uh, taste, uh, squad. It's, you know, they're going to go out and find things that we don't know about. <laughs> you know, and like, and vice versa. 
they may actually request to have a liaison every, and on every IDET team so that they can uh, know what's going on when you, when we go out and find stuff. They don't have the personnel for that, John. Neither do we. So there's a problem. Yeah. So that's well. No, we have a public recruitment program. Okay. They yes. do not. No, you're right. So they're going to be they're going to fall behind us in the recruitment, you know, thing. And now you, they, the advantage that they have is is that since you know it is a secret, you can they can impress people into service, you know, using rhetoric of of you know, do it for queen and country and, you know, and for the, you know, something along those lines on a more imperialistic point of view than the, uh, hey, let's all, you know, be uh, good buddies that comes from IDET. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, that, if you look at the Squad One, which is what they call their teams, uh, it consists of, you know, um, the Viscount himself, Cosgrove, his uh, ma- friend and manservant, uh, Hong Chan, and um, my grandfather, Ben Ryer. <laughs> I had to throw him in there. He, you know. Yeah. Hey, I, I, he's, he's one of my, uh, you know, demo characters. We use him all the time. Yeah. He also found in, in, in the American Commonwealth, Captain Dupree. Uh, Captain Dupree was an air marshal. And so he got recruited. And he, like most air marshals, the best way to describe an air marshal, think of a Texas Ranger. Only he flies an airship and has the same attitude. Yeah, Dupree is pretty much that kind of character. You know, he's a Texas Ranger who flies airships, and now he's captain of a of his own squad. And we actually had a, a plot point for that one with him and uh, Carstairs. Carstairs was in team on squad two, and the two of them didn't like each other. And Carstairs was thankful that he decided to make him liaison with I, with the Unita and send him to uh, Earth Prime. Victorians and Earth Prime is, is, is interesting because the first thing they do is, they say is, um, excuse me, but um, that's an awful lot of flesh your people are showing, isn't it? Now, you understand, Victorian idea of a lot of flesh is some guy wearing, you know, wearing, wearing shorts and sandal or, you know, but the women are outrageous. I mean, you know, so, you know I hate to say it, so walking the beach, Victorian walking the beach with somebody's freezing place, put his hat over his over his crotch and say, "I gotta leave here right now." Uh, uh, it, it's just bad. It, it, to him, it's it, it, to them. There's like there's this absolute scandal everywhere. There's like you, you dress like you dress like savages <laughs> and prostitutes and prostitutes. Yeah, especially when, of course, when they go to England, they get invited to a steampunk convention. Yeah, of course, it should be worn on the inside of your dress, not the outside. <laughs> Are there actually a lot of um, uh, cowboys in England? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of cowboys. Some of them may actually even be uh, Caucasians, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, you know, imagine Apaches, Apaches with British accents. That would be hilarious. And we, we've seen it. There, there, was a, there was a character on a television show that was like that. He, was, he had been... He'd been raised and educated at Oxford. Yeah, and we're not talking Johnny Depp. So, yeah. No, I'm not talking about Johnny Depp. I'm talking about somebody who actually looked Indian. But, yeah, yeah. Them have it. And, of course, there's this, in America, there's, of course, the Native, American, the Native Americans are still speaking their own languages. So they're, this is, they're getting this various creoles are forming of, of various English creoles between, you know, Iroquois and Apache and... And other languages are just forming, so there's very you know, 
you might you may be able to talk to somebody. You may not understand half what they're saying, but at least half half what they're saying will probably be in English, but the other half will be in wherever their native language is. So yeah, it's you know it's a very fairly cosmopolitan, and the and the Native Americans are are basically well integrated in society here. They're not on reservations. They basically have their own little provinces, and they run them themselves. As long as they pay their taxes, they're you know they don't really worry about them. <laughs> You know, uh, of course, there's a lot that the Sons of Liberty, I mentioned them before, really don't like that because they figure this is this is our land and that's our land, too. And where those Apaches are, that's our land, too. And we want our land back, you know. Uh, so, yes, it's they're a major source of, of frustration. In fact, that's actually another thing you can actually have your players encounter. They decide to go <clears throat> visit America and have to deal with the Sons of Liberty. You know that's going to be a, you know that's could put some players into a quandary. I mean, I hate to say this, but they're fighting for saying that some people would consider, yeah, they want to be free, but everything's you know we're we're falling into the Jejean Liberation Front here. You know what have they given? You know what have they given us besides plumbing and you know and you know all this good stuff? You know. <laughs> And free schools and uh, and free, yeah, I mean it's it is run. I mean slavery slavery was abolished, but it was abolished in stages. That's another important thing to point out. You know, the, instead of just simply wiping it all at once, they realized that a the, uh, the the colonies well now the colonies were producing a lot of a lot of cotton, a lot of other a lot of products, and someone did the numbers figure if we just did away with slavery, their economy would tank. They wouldn't be able to, to actually handle it. So it, it was a phase-out of slavery. So basically, someone who was a slave in 1820 would be a free man by 1850. The last slave was 1888. He was he became a freedman. Uh, basically, any children born after 1820 were free. Now, is that true worldwide, or is that just talking about America? and this, uh, The Americas, I should say. The America, remember, the Americas here include the Caribbeans. So yes, you have Canada. The you know it's it's the entire it's the whole package. So yes, the Caribbean, the Caribbean states, Bahamas is a part of the Commonwealth of America. So yes, it's across the board uh, in the in the British hands. Uh, uh, chattel slavery in India is more or less done away with too, but it's kind of hard to kill out because it's so part of the system, the case system. Yeah, there. It's harder to, to stamp out because some people believe they should they belong in that case and they want to go back. Cast, John, it's cast. Cast, cast. Sorry, thank you. Cast, cast system. Is, is uh, Russia part of any of this, or because I know that uh, on the write up of one of the portals that goes into Russia, they they said that originally Queen Victoria wanted to leave that alone because she didn't want to stir up the you know the the czar. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes there. There is. I'm going to mispronounce this horribly. Russiakaya America, or Russian America. Or, or, but basically, it's Russian America. And yes, they have Alaska, British Columbia, down to, I would say, uh, basically parts of, parts of Idaho, uh, Washington State, Oregon, and then a little bit of Northern California. So that actually is how far they had reached in our world. Actually, they got as far as San Francisco, but here they stopped short of that uh, because of the Spanish Spanish influence. So they, they stopped short of, of 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 that, but they actually got half the good wine valley wine country though. 
So, yeah. Uh, but yes, they they basically they're doing a lot of it's it's a semi independent state. It's run by it's run by a prince, who is of course nominally obliged to the czar, who is thousands and thousands of miles away. So yeah, it means he pretty much has an open it's a free hand to do where he wants in 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 Russia, America. Uh, so yes, there's a lot of fur trading. There's a lot of uh, mining, looking for resources, looking for gold, and they do find the gold in the Yukon and do find gold elsewhere. So yes, there is gold rushes. There is the lumber, the the, the wood available in that area there's been so there's a lot of lumber being milled and sold to various people. California sold, you know, over into England, uh, into the the Commonwealth, sold across over to Japan and China. So yes, there is a it's, I won't say it's a major powerhouse, but it, it has a lot of trade going on in wood and goods and, and services. Uh, they actually got some really good farmland in the lower portions down there, so they're so they they can grow enough food to keep themselves fed. So it's not a problem to keep the, a lot of this territory operational. Now, I would say I will say majority of the population are down in the southern portion of this. That's where it's nice and. They can set up shop and you know work with the work with the with the Salish people down there, and set things up, uh, and then you, pretty much like it is on our world, all the good all the major population centers are along, basically from say from the Portland from the Columbia River mouth right up to about where Anchorage up to where Anchorage and Nome are, but you know once you get around that tip, it's kind of sparse in population, so. Really, not much different than we have right now. The heaviest populations are in the southern portion of the of the property, and that gets real sparse when you get north of that. But they uh, they you know they do have uh, you know, the gold minings and stuff like that. Uh, politics, politically speaking, uh, the big major the major sore point is with Mexico. Why aren't you doing anything with those dang pirates? Those those bandits who come raiding into 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 our into our farms and fields and. You know, and then those air pirates who who uh, raid our raid our our our, our, our cargo ships and, and raid our, and raid our air our air trains. They have air trains. This long line of airships, basically one airship, which is the puller, and then a bunch of little airships carrying cargo. And yeah, they love hitting those suckers. They just need to take out one of them, then they they, they can just grab the rest and tow them away. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh, the, the main, in fact, the main gripe in that area is are the air pirates and the corrupt Mexican governor of, of that of that province, who's doing absolutely nothing about it. And they think because mainly he's probably related to the biggest pirate there in the group. So yeah, or he's simply getting paid. Yeah, or he's getting paid, or you know, or probably both. That's usually why. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's not. It's not usually you know terribly uh, complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on the graft. Yep, and it is a major. And there's a there's several paths. It, basically, it's easier to build the fly airships over the mountains than it is to put the to put a, a, a rail line through there. So basically, in Providence, uh, which is uh, equivalent to uh, our Denver, they call it's called Providence here. Uh, there's actually a major railhead, and then it goes over to the airship yards where the ships basically load up cargo and haul it over the mountains. Uh, to California and to the uh, to the Russian to the uh, to the uh, Russian American cities on the other side, so yeah, so they're primed for being attacked by by air pirates. So yes, the constabulary will at least follow them up to the mountains. Unfortunately, they have no permission to cross the border. 
Some do. Some don't. But this is one of the few places where you will find letters of mark. There are privateers who are working for the Russians, working for the, uh, the, the American Commonwealth, and working for the Californians out there hunting pirates. They're, they're, they're private individuals. They're operating under letters of mark. Uh, letters of mark are against countries. In this case, they're against the province. Oh, and it's Mexico's goes, you know what? We were good with that. Go ahead. Do that. You know, it saves us money for actually doing anything. So, yeah. So the, where the constabulary and the Russian, Russian air Navy can't cross the private privateers can. And I can see a nice, a nice little venture there for the players who said, let's see what it's like to be on a privateer ship and have all that, all the fun that entails <laughs> at that point, uh, flying into bandit territory and trying to find and trying to deal with things. Uh, I, I mean, heck even, uh, I could even see, uh, Victorian player characters doing this just for fun. I mean, it's <laughs> a lot of things here. I mean, I can look at the uh, way the book is set up. You can either play Victorian characters. Or you can play, uh, earth prime characters. It's really up to you, which, which ones you want to do. The GM could decide to do Victorian characters, so therefore I'm putting a lot of information here so they actually can do Victorian characters. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and considering that our major clientele is Americans, yeah, I did more about America than I did about Europe and so forth, but you still get some from Europe. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, you can get this is interesting, but yeah, the, the, the main thing there is dealing with the dang air pirates and finding out. And no, sadly, none of them go by the name of Don Carnage, but you never know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sir, I'll take your ship from you. Ha ha. I am Don Carnage. <laughs> oh, and you get, you get a tri point. If you know where that came from <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I had to research because if you notice here that um, Sweden and Norway are separate, and I actually had to research that to find out when those two separated because at one time it was all Sweden, and before Norway broke apart, and Norway broke apart in the 1700s. So, so yeah, so that still happens. But uh, let's see what else. Uh, Finland. Uh, that's right. Finland here is pretty much reduced to the base of the Laplands on this map. So, yeah. Sorry, Finnish listeners, if we have any. Um, if you're a Laplander, you're free. If you're not, you're under. You're, you're living with the Russians, Tsarist Russians. We know the fashions, you know, because we've seen them. Um, you know, the whole thing about the Victorian, uh, sexuality and, um, um, and things like that. Now, this is, this is a big world out there. You know, I mean, they, you talked about how they would look at Americans or earth primers, um, and, uh, and, and be so scandalized. But the fact, the question is, is that did they, did they really change their behaviors? Were the men and women really waiting until they were married before, you know, they had anything and and how far were they really willing to go and and how much of that was just England and how much of that was like Indian or other places in the world where the British rule held sway? Well, it definitely was. Oh, yes, the answer is yeah. The, the, on the surface, everyone was you know everyone is of course you know we're we're above this sort of thing in reality. Proper. Yeah, 
Yeah, proper. In reality, you know, a British lord probably had at least two or three mistresses. He kept. He kept. Oh the, no! Some, some. Oh, the Victorians don't believe the hype that they were all hoity-toity and. Oh no, they were proper out on the streets, but once you got them behind closed doors, there there was some freaky stuff going on. There's a whole section of of London called Whitechapel. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh yes. And you may think the Hellfire Club is something from Marvel Marvel Comics. No, oh, it's no, no, not. No. That's a Victorian thing. <laughs> and yes, the women probably dressed just like that. <laughs> In the Hellfire Club, so yeah, um, actually, you know, and there are lots of cool gentlemen clubs. Yes, the Diogenes Club exists. Diogenes is where Mycroft would go, but British clubs are boring. It's more like going there, going to Whitechapel, and going to places and realizing the guy fighting in the pit isn't that Sherlock Holmes fighting in the pit, you know, and uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, but yes, you get to the, you get to the American Commonwealth. It's more, it's yeah, it's more common. It's it's you got to remember who's originally were the settlers of North America. It's a combination of of roundheads who lost the, the British Civil War. Basically, followers of Cromwell had to get out of Dodge, and they moved to America. Uh, criminals up until the up, to, up until the Revolutionary War, they're being shipped over to America. Um, people with religious problems leaving and going to America. Uh, don't forget the 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 Dutch and the Germans and the and uh, all those folks going over there, and then of course there's a big swath of French in there now. So you got Quebec sitting right in the middle of all this stuff, and they're basically trying to say Quebec, you know, at this point. Their moral, I mean, yeah, I think the the Wild West point of view, yeah, probably, uh, considering that the Native Americans view wearing all the clothing to be silly. <laughs> in some cases, so yeah, the farther you get from the coastline, the more the more native people will go, so to speak. You know, when you get to Providence, maybe downtown you'll see people in proper Victorian dress, but as soon as you get out from the out from there, they're you know the women are wearing pants, you know, and, and hats, and they're not wearing dresses. So yeah, it's it's entirely whatever is more more practical. So yes, the, the Americans are probably more scandalous than they are. In in, the, in in England, but at least the British will, you know, put up the front and say it's all scandalous. When in fact, you know, Hong Hong Chang uh, wears wears a dress that slipped to slipped to her thigh, and no one blinks at that. What is the uh, influence and the extent of influence of uh, religion in the Victorian world? Uh, yes, North America is Anglican. <laughs> But they do allow other religions. So yes, Lutherans are there. The Mormons are. Are there Mormons? That's a good question because the Mormons were kicked out of England, weren't they? No, the Mormons. No, no, no. Mormons, you're right. Are entirely American grown. You're right. Mormons are entirely American grown. There probably is. There probably are Mormons, but they're probably living in that section of Mexico where they could find some place to set up shop. Because it's you know I don't I doubt very much they get to set up desert any you know the the the, the nation of desert any place. <laughs> anywhere in this place, the Brits will hunt them. Brits will hunt them down. The the Catholics will hunt them down. Yeah, they're probably in that little. They're sitting living with the bandits. So yeah, and the Mormons are probably living in colonies in the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, with the bandits in some hidden valleys. Well, what about all the Indian religions? 
because there's so many of them. It's not like the remnant of, of groups like you know when they would steamrolling across the plains, the, you know, the the Europeans. Now you've got these really large groups of Indians holding religious beliefs. Uh, does it does it flow the other way over into England over into Europe? That's a good question. Um, researching what happened when we're still the colonies and the various Native American groups like the Iroquois and so forth, there was no conversion. So yeah, they still maintain their you know they still maintain their religion. Basically, the missionary zeal only started after we became an, an independent nation. And basically, a lot of Lutherans and a lot of Lutherans and Catholics out there trying to convert. But now that we're all Anglican, that's a different point of view. Uh, there, you know, there are Anglican missionaries, but they're not as you know, uh, what's the right word? Fire and brimstone, as as a good Baptist missionary would be at this point. Um, now, what did the Brits do in Canada actually with religion? First Nations. The First Nations are basically the India. Well, unfortunately, they sort of, yes, you're, you're a First Nation. And you get to keep everything, but we're going to steal your children and teach them to be proper proper Canadian citizens, which means to teach them the, the religions, of, the, the prominent religions. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I have a feeling. But here, these, these Native Americans got a lot more agency than the First Nations do did or, or do or did in Canada. So it, it, it maybe I hate to say I would say when you're on the west on the western portion of the American Commonwealth, it's probably more Native American religions and so forth. You get to the east side, uh, they all can do the Lord's Prayer quite well. So it, it's a it's a it's a spectrum across across the map. So yeah. So you're saying there isn't as much uh, evangelism as in our world. So therefore, you expect when you go to various places in the world to find very traditional and more regional religions than you would um, uh, than you would find like missionaries and such. Yes, I mean, think about India. Uh, they may have zero headway of getting religion in India. That came later. You know, so yes, it's uh, and also you got to understand who's populating these areas. When you go to Providence, white people, Caucasians are are the minority, not the majority. John, where's Providence? Providence is Denver. In our in our world, it's more or less in the same location. Oh, okay. So Denver, okay, because you were using that term, and I thought you were talking about you know what would uh, Providence, Rhode Island, but then I got under. Figured out that you weren't. So yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, Providence is is corresponds to our world, Denver, more or less, a couple miles, whatever. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yes, it's pretty much the same in the same location for pretty much the same reasons that Denver was, um, rivers and so forth, and it's a railhead for uh, the 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 uh, semi semi inter you know continental rail uh, at that at that point. But yes. Therefore, wherever you, especially like the Polynesian Islands uh, um, and then Hawaii and all those other places, all of those various, you know, religions that were there are still going to be there, right? Unfortunately, not Hawaii because that's California and California is Catholic. Jesuits move in and they make them Catholic. What about cannibalism? Well. Is that, has that been stomped out in the civilized world? As much as it's stamped out in our in our in our in our timeline, yeah. 
I, just, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be. The answer is no. Yeah, they're still cannibals. You can go. There's places in New Guinea, in New Guinea, and in New Zealand. You best go with your with your best manner, so you don't end up at the table as dinner. And Brazil. Uh, and Brazil. Oh yes. Oh yes. In the heart of Brazil, yeah, there's cannibals. Uh, well, Yanomami only practiced endo cannibalism, which was they would uh, wrap up their dead in like banana leaves, let them be out in the forest for about a month, month and a half. After everything decomposed, they grounded up what was left into banana paste, and then they all ate that. That's the I, I had to research the Anamami for a campaign, and that's as far as their cannibalism went. And also, a lot of cannibalism is rit- is ritualistic cannibalism, where you you you, you eat your dead, eat eat your yeah. your, uh, your your foes you killed in battle. You know, and there's places where the belief systems where, and I forgot where it is. It's, 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 I think it's, it could be in, no, I don't remember where it is, but there were, there was the belief system between two tribes that, well, basically, if you kill one of our people, we get ghosts who now will haunt us until we kill one of your people to stop the, stop them haunting us to get revenge. Of course, the other group believes the exact same thing. So there's constant warfare between the two, between the two groups because they don't want any ghosts floating around. Like 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 that, so yes, it, there's places where that still happens. Um, uh, it's it's not it's not hundred percent civilized. I mean, you know, the British in many cases deal with a light hand. You know, uh, if you go to Congo, the about the the the, the place that the, the most wise place in Congo is County Greystone, and that's about it. It's it's Congo for the Congolese. You know, there's there's it's a light hand in many places. It just simply have a, uh, a, a, a a approved governor from England ruling the Congolese protectorate until such a time they can get their act together and become their own become their own part, member of the Commonwealth. They're basically a territory at this point. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, let's see what's what's the honorific for Queen Victoria again? Uh, there we go. Her honorific is um, here we go. Her Britannic Majesty, Victoria Regina, Empress of India, Queen of the United Kingdoms of England, Scotland, Wales, Sovereign of, ter- of the Territories and Trusts, and Trusts, is, is her title. So that, that includes just about everything. And yes, the Commonwealth is considered a territory because it's, it's not autonomous. Well, semi-autonomous. It's not independent. It, like cat, it basically is it's going to probably be a, not until I would say about 1910s, 1920s, it'll actually consider making it a, a autonomous uh, Commonwealth nation instead of a, a territory. So right now it's still under the control of England, but at some point it'll be, it'll, they'll get their own parliament and they'll get their own uh, premier. You know, they'll get the whole nine yards. And yes, uh, they use the British legal system in America. So yeah, you have to remember that. So it's a British style legal system. Victorian Prime, or let's just give his proper name, you know, Britannia Prime is a is a wonderful place to visit or or to be from. You know, don't don't think just because you're, everyone else is playing characters from from uh, Earth Prime or United Nations Earth, as as the Parlance goes, you have to actually be from the United United Nations Earth. You could be one of those rare liaisons working with the team, reporting back to the to your Majesty government what they're doing. Or you could be become like uh, Colonel Talbot, 
and you know, you're and you're an expat uh, Victorian dealing with all these weird and strange people, and you don't have to be British to be be from Victorian Prime. You just got to be a subject, <laughs> and that's a lot of territory. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.